And I want to talk to you for a little bit on the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents, Matthew 25. And verse 14, and this is the third parable that Jesus gave in answer to his disciples' questions on when he was coming back and what would be the signs of his coming. Well, he readily admitted he's coming back. How many of you believe Jesus is near even at the door? Even at the door. So he gave three parables, the parable of the faithful and evil servant, the parable of the ten virgins, and now the parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his, notice, goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went away on a journey. Well, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made five more. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five more, saying, Lord, you gave me five talents. Look, I have five more. His Lord said to him, what, everybody? Well done. How many of you want to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said the same thing to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But then he came to the one who had received one. And he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid of you and went and hid your talent that you gave to me into the ground, didn't invest it, didn't use it. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money or invested it so that at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everybody who has, who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Ouch. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. This is the third parable that Jesus gave to us uh, referring to his return. There is no question about it. Jesus is going to come back. Now, we saw in the first parable 
of the faithful and the evil servant that we're going to be judged for how we treated one another in the house of God, how we one anothered one another, how we loved one another, cared for one another. That's the parable of the faithful and evil servant. The parable of the wise virgins and the foolish virgins has to do with how we kept the oil of the Holy Ghost in our lamps. Did we maintain our relationship with Jesus daily, regularly, so that when He returns, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and walking with Him? This one has to do with what we do with what He gave us. How we invest what He gave us. Now, the first thing that Jesus gave us in the parable, He says, the master leaves his servants to carry on his business in his absence, to offer his goods to those left behind, to make his goods available to others. I want you to say with me today, I've got the goods. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I think I've got the goods. See, Jesus is telling us here that every child of God has been given goods. We have been given the goods. After a long time, he returns, and he wants to know how well we distributed the goods. What did we do with what he gave us? Now, when he talks about the goods, I want to know what the goods are. Because he mentions two things, goods and talents. Goods and talents. Well, then what are the goods? What are the goods Jesus was talking about? Well, the goods are all the blessings available to you and me in Jesus. See, do you remember when Jesus came into your heart, how he gave to you his love? He gave you peace in the middle of a storm. He gave you the peace that passes understanding. Immediately, when Jesus came into our heart, we received goods. The goods are the blessings that follow salvation. His love, His power, the Holy Ghost, the revelation of His will for mankind, the knowledge of Him. How many of you are glad today you know Him? Amen. The knowledge of Him. See, that's the goods. You've got the goods. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He bore the sins of the world. He ascended into heaven. He gave gifts to men. He lives in our hearts by faith. He delivers us from sin. He answers prayer. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am His own. That's the goods. He gave us the goods. He is preparing a place in glory for you and me. That's the goods. He's coming again to take me home. That's the goods. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He defeated the devil, death, hell, and the grave. I know that. And that's the goods. So can you say with me, I've got the goods. The goods are all the wealth of Jesus Christ. He leaves his servants behind to distribute his goods to carry on his business. 
You know, we've got people in our church who go to juvenile home, and they go there and they minister. Kenny back there, and he goes and he ministers to those young people. And when he walks in there, Jesse there on the streets, he ministers to them the goods. You know, we've got what the world is looking for. They just don't know that's what they're looking for. But it's the goods, the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Holy Ghost, a clear conscience. That's what the world is dying to find. But we've got the goods. And so they go and they talk about Jesus. And you know, last time they went, not only Kenny went, but stand up there, Ron. Anybody tells you Elvis is dead, tell him that's a lie. He goes to Turning Point Church. But you know, when we get saved, God gives us the goods. Because here's Ron. Did you know, and he wouldn't mind me telling this, that before Ron knew Jesus, he was living under bridges, a hardcore alcoholic, living to drink, drinking to live, putting away a fifth of hard liquor every day. But then one day he heard the gospel that I am not ashamed to preach, the gospel of Jesus, and he got saved. And when he got saved, he got the goods, and he took the goods. He laid the alcohol down, And now last week he went with Kenny to juvenile home, shared his testimony, and every young person there responded, every one, and got saved, giving out the goods, giving out the goods. See, God called us to distribute the goods. I want you to say with me, I'm a distributor of the goods. See, God has blessed you with a knowledge of Him, with His Spirit. The Holy Ghost living in you is the goods. The peace of God is the goods. The knowledge of Jesus is the goods. So Jesus said, I've left you. I'm going away for a while, but I've left you with the responsibility of distributing the goods. But then He said, when I leave, I give talents. The parable mentions talents. and says one servant was left with five One with two and the other with one. Now, talent comes from a Greek word meaning that which is weighed. That which is weighed. It can mean money or gifts and abilities. Now, what I want us to get out of this parable today is that every child of God has been given at least one talent, at least one gift one ability. Every one of you. If you know Jesus, raise your hand. All right? You have at least one gift. It says when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts. Listen to Ephesians 4, 7. Out of the generosity of Christ, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. Each of us. That means you. That means me. And what was the gift given for? Peter tells us, 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has, whatever gift God gave you, each one should use whatever gift he has received for himself. Is that what it said? 
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Listen to the word. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God has given each of us a gift. Every person listening to me, not only here but by radio, you've been given a gift. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe five. I know five talented people. That is, I know people with five talents. They can sing, they can preach, they can fix cars, they can build houses, they can do anything. Makes me sick. God gave me one gift. I'm a one-talent guy. He called me to use words from the time I was a little boy. When they were rolling marbles in the streets and, and just doing boy stuff, I'd go home from school, grab an encyclopedia, and go out in the woods and name the birds, and name the animals, and name the reptiles. I was always wanting to categorize things, and learn things, and then go tell what I learned. One talent guy. My dad used to say to me, when you become a lawyer, I want you to give me some of the money. But see, God took the natural bent that he gave me, touched it with his spirit, and now I take that one talent, and I, I write books, I'm on radio, I preach, I teach. I may just have one talent, but I'm going to work it every which way but loose. Because God has given everybody a gift. You are gifted. Well, Pastor, when I look in the mirror, I look pretty plain Jane to me. Ah, but when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. And let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible says we have every one, each one, received a gift. And see, the gifts he gives us are the means by which he intends us to distribute the goods. So you can distribute the goods if you're a CPA. You can distribute the goods if you're, if you cut hair. We had the woman here this morning who has cut my hair for 15 years. And I guarantee you, I've seen people trapped in her chair listening about Jesus. She takes her gift. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've walked in when she was in the middle of it. What can they do? Their hair is all put up and wet. They're trapped. She's got a captive audience, and she's just talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an oral surgeon in our church, and he's got tracks all over his office. You think you're not a captive audience when you're leaning back in that chair, and he's got a hold of one of your teeth? But he talks about Jesus. See, every gift God gave you and me, we are to use it to administer the goods. You've been gifted. God has gifted you. He will never call a man to preach who does not have an ability to communicate. He will never call someone to manage who doesn't have the ability to administrate. He will never call someone to be a doctor who doesn't have the mind capable of memory and thought. What He calls you to do, He equips you to do. But everyone here has been gifted with a talent. Now watch this. He says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. He comes to the one who had been given five talents. And here's what he was basically saying. I have made an investment in you. 
you are my investment. I expect a return on my investment. So he says, I've got five more. I doubled what you gave me. Well done. The two, he says, what'd you do with it? I sowed it. I gave it to you. I dedicated it to you. Do you know how many people are in our world enormously talented? They can sing the roof off. They make millions and millions of dollars. But they don't give that gift to God. So enjoy the millions because when he comes back, if you did not give it to him for his glory, you're going to lose. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth over lost opportunity. He says, and I see brilliant minds, but they use their gifts to make money and fame for themselves. Masters at business, but they use it all for themselves. See, what Jesus is telling us is, I've given everybody a gift. If you're a child of God, you've got a gift that has been energized and touched by the Holy Ghost of God. It has been, it has been energized by my spirit. You are to sanctify that gift to me. And when you sanctify it to me, I'm going to take it, and that's going to be the means by which you distribute the goods. It's God's way of enabling you to be a distributor. Amen. Now he says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And I'm going to judge, according to these three parables, I'm going to judge three things in my house. I'm going to judge how you treated one another. That's the first parable. I'm going to judge how you walked with me. If you kept oil in your lamp, if you faithfully poured the oil into your own spirit, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because nobody can put oil in your lamp but you. People say to me, well, I'm burned out. And I said, well, that's your fault. Because I've been burned out, and it was my fault. Because no matter, no matter how much you give, we ought to know how to get into that Word and put oil in our lamp. Praise Him, seek Him, read His Word, pray, and that keeps oil in the lamp. But now, with the third parable, He says, I'm not only going to come and find out how you treated each other and how you took care of yourself, but what did you do with the gift I gave you. What'd you do with it? Did you give it to me and glorify me through it? Did I get glory? And were other people touched for my glory because of what I put in you? Well, Pastor Jeff, I don't have a clue what my gift is. What comes naturally to you? What, what do you have a knack for? What has God just giving you an ability to do where other people go, I don't know how you do that. It's just, an, it's not hard to find what your gift is. It's obvious what it is. It's where you have that ability to just do something naturally. Give it to God. Say, now, Lord, you've given me a life. You've given me a gift. How can I glorify you through it? Because you're going to come and see what I did with it. He's going to say to me, what'd you do? What'd you do? With the knack for words, what'd you do? Oh, man, I did everything I knew to do. And I reached as many people as I could. And I hope I hear 
well done. Or I can sing. Or, boy, I can make money. Or I can whatever. Give it to God. Because he's coming back to his house. And he's going to walk through the house. How'd you treat each other? Oh, I loved them. I loved them. I loved them. Did my best to love everybody. How'd you do with your walk with me? Oh, I sought you every day. Kept that oil in my lamp. Kept it burning, burning, burning. Burning till the break of day. What'd you do with the gift I gave you? Uh, 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 oh, oh, uh, well. Weren't you there when Wickwire preached on it that day? Yes, Lord. And, and, and what we all want to be able to say is, my life was used as an investment. I'm his seed. He's sown into the world. And there is going to be a return on his investment through me. Well done. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Glory to God. I tell you, this is real, folks. He's coming back. And the first thing he's going to do is bring his house into account. What are you doing with what God gave you? What are you doing with it? Where in your life are others being touched for him? I can think of so many people in our church who are in ministry of some kind or other. You know, these ladies, uh, Tammy and Letty and others who just came and showed a Beth Moore video to a bunch of women. And it was tremendous. You know what? Say, I may not be a teacher, but I can sure put up a screen where a teacher can teach. But somehow, some way, my life is going to count for God. Because he's coming back to his house when you least expect it. The shout will come and Jesus will return. And those are the three things he's going to want an accounting for. So how many of you want to be ready for that day? Amen. Can we stand together today? You know, I'm finishing a book uh, right now for Baker Bookhouse, and I was on a chapter that required me to think back to when I first started speaking. <clears throat> and I had terrible, terrible stage fright because when I was a little boy, my elementary school teacher put on a school play, sixth grade, I'll never forget it. I had one little part in the play. I was supposed to come clunking into the classroom in a suit, an arm, a, a knight's suit of armor, cardboard, and say a few lines through a mask and then walk back out. I heard my cue, went clunking in, and I went totally blank. Stood there just clunking. Couldn't think of a word. Shame and embarrassment rushed up into my face. Finally, mercifully, the teacher said, Jeff, you can go on back out to the hall. I clunked back out. Now, watch this. Satan knew the call on my life. So, 
way back then, here's what he said to me as I walked out of the room. You're not cut out to be in front of people. And I made an inner vow. I'll never do that again. See, anytime you and I get wounded, there's a message with the wound. There's a message that the wound brings. And the message of this wound said, you're not cut out to be in front of people. Don't do it. I made an inner vow. And in it, just like Jesus, to save me and tap me on the shoulder with one talent to preach. I don't think you understand who you're talking to. I have stage fright. You ought to know that. Yeah, but you and me, we're going to overcome that. Now, you know what I realized? I remembered writing this book. I was writing it yesterday. Behind every wound, there is a message. And you know what we do with those messages? Often, we'll make an inner vow. Because if we accept the lie of the message of the wound, because it's always a lie, a little girl, her dad doesn't love her, doesn't make over her, never tells her she's pretty, it wounds her. Here comes the, the enemy with the message of the wound. You're not attractive. You're not appealing to men. She makes an inner vow. I will never be hurt by a man again. And this vow affects her the rest of her life. Little boy gets on a little league team. The coach leaves him on the bench game after game. Finally, it wounds him. The message behind the wounds says, you have no sports ability. You're not cut out for this. He makes an inner vow. I'll never try out again. And unless the Lord tears that wound down and that vow, your whole life has been hindered. Now, why am I going into all this? Because an inner vow from a wound can keep you from sowing your talent. He's after your talent. The enemy doesn't want that talent to shine. He doesn't want you giving glory to God through the gift God gave you. So he will early on go to work against it. If he can wound you in the very area God's called you, and get you to make an inner vow, he can hinder you sowing your talent. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So that it, it really clips your wings. And what I want to do as we close today, I want to pray for people who have made an inner vow contrary to the will of God for your life. I'll never be hurt again. I'll never be vulnerable again. I'll never go into leadership again. I'll never get active in church again. I'll never love again. I'll never open my heart up again. Don't you know that that's not from God? That's the voice of a wound. 
I think y'all are hearing me today. I'm ad-libbing this. This wasn't planned, but I want to pray for you. If you can say, Pastor, I'm fighting. I know there is an inner vow, a wound that needs to be healed, and it may be standing in the way of me sowing my talent. I want you to come down right now, would you? As Steve leads us in some worship, just make your way down. Don't be afraid of what anybody thinks. You just come now. And we're going to pray against this and believe God to break it today in Jesus' name. Come on, stretch them out across the front and let's pray. Lord, make-